This morning, our speaker is Sarah Jeffrey. Sarah is uh, an old friend of mine and Fiona's. We met Sarah 10 years ago when she came to Brighton to study at a university and Fiona and I were leading a student small group and we met Sarah when she joined our group and uh, over the years we've just so enjoyed um, working alongside Sarah. Sarah was the kids and families pastor in Portsmouth which is the church that Fiona and I came from. Um, Sarah was part part of that planting congregation, made it all happen and has since now taken on a job at HTB in London which is the network of churches that we are. She's going to head up all the kids work over in London and uh, we had a small window when I heard the news that Sarah was sort of leaving Portsmouth moving up to London I messaged Sarah and I said is there any way you can come to Bay Church before you start the new job and uh, very graciously she sort of juggled a few holidays moved um, moved a holiday to come for the best holiday which is in Torbay right (laughs) Torbados the best holiday experience around. And, um, and so we're really grateful for Sarah. But one, one reason I really did want to invite Sarah down is firstly for Sarah to see a church that actually she's had a big influence over. Just the way that Sarah ran kids and families work in Portsmouth, that's a lot of the way that we wanted to model our kids and families work here at Bay Church. And so a lot of the, the Sarah is the one who came up with the four, the, the, the idea for the four. Sarah is the one who came up with the, the phrase, best hour of the week, and all of those sorts of things. And so I was really encouraged for Sarah to see this and for you to meet, meet the person who has influenced this church, particularly if you are here and you bring your kids along, and you know that your kids love it. Um, That is in part a lot due to Sarah and her sort of uh, feeling that sense of call to be uh, an advocate for children's and families' work in teaching kids that they are seen, loved, and important, and uh, and valued by God. And so um, I love Sarah. I'm so excited that you're going to be here. Would you please give a very, very big Bay Church welcome to Sarah Jeffrey as she speaks this morning. Oh gosh, I don't know how to follow that. Um, well, I can say I'm so glad the sun came out this morning for me to see Torbados. It's incredible. This is the best holiday I could possibly ask for. Um, and it's so amazing to be here. I think like it's great to be part of these network of churches and where we send people out. Um, we sent Matt and Fiona out from Portsmouth a couple of years ago. We're like, oh, okay, off we go. Two people to see what happens here in Devon. And it's incredible to see this church full of people, full of a huge team of people welcoming people in, giving children the best hour of their week. And I hope for the adults as well, giving you the best hour of your weeks as well. And yeah, so as Matt said, my name is Sarah and I just love all things kids ministry. And I just think children are incredible and we often don't give them the credit they deserve. Children are thought to be maybe put into a back room so then we can get on with, you know, the main business here. But one of my life missions is to dispel the belief that there is a age barrier to knowing the all consuming, all loving love of God. That I let me tell you today, if you've not heard it before, there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. You don't have to get to a certain age and then the Holy Spirit's like, hello, I'll meet you now. The God loves us before we were even born, before we were even there. He says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And if you want to learn anything about experiencing the love of God, I can't encourage you enough to go and join the Bay Kids crew and go see what is going on in those halls. Because the times that I've seen God meeting people the most is why I've seen it through the act of a childlike faith, through a four-year-old hearing for the first time that they are unconditionally loved by the creator of the universe. There is something so powerful about that. And that's what that amazing kids crew are doing right now. They are teaching those children those unfailing promises. They are helping them build that firm foundation of faith, knowing that they are seen, they are loved, they're important. That yes, you may go through storms, but Jesus promises to be with you. Like, imagine what the world would look like if every single child grew up knowing those unfailing promises. Where they have a loving, eternal father who is with them in those storms. And let's not just leave it to the children here. What would the world look like if every person in this room knew and could stand confidently on those unfailing promises? Because we all experience good days. We all experience difficult days. But we have this promise that there is a God who is with us through the storms. So I thought I'd come and speak to you today on a story of stories that we often teach in kids ministry. And I thought, you know, let's bring it here. Let's talk about the parables. If you don't know what a parable is, a parable is defined as a simple story that Jesus used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. So the parable that I want to talk to you about this morning is from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. So if you have Bibles, feel free to get them out or it'll appear on the screen as well. We join Jesus as he's hanging out with his disciples and he's been teaching them how to pray. He's just taught them the Lord's Prayer, which is a step-by-step guide on how to pray. And then he tells them this story. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now, one thing that Jesus is not doing in this story is saying you should go to your friend's house at midnight, knock on the door and see if they will give you some bread. I'm going to tell you, if you do that in my house, I won't give you bread. I'll be grumpy that you've got me out of bed. But what Jesus is doing is he's exciting his disciples about prayer. He's using this story to sum up faith with three simple steps. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Which sounds easy enough, right? But I don't know about you, but when things seem simple, my brain almost feels hardwired to think there must be a catch. There must be something that it wouldn't work. It might work for someone else, but it wouldn't work for me. But time and time again, I have seen the power of an expectant, simple faith in action. And whilst a lot of the time it's been from experienced Christians or big podcasts or big name speakers that we've seen as they come to Torbados, actually, I've seen it in the action of little children. 
And one of the places where I've seen God move the most and do the most incredible things is at Focus. You may have heard of Focus before. Focus is a church weekend away where uh, all the churches in the network gather together for a weekend of prayer, worship, community, and often nervously staring up at the sky, hoping it won't rain. (laughs) And I get the amazing privilege of heading up the Focus Kids groups, which is where we, last year we had 1,250 children all in one place, which is the exact level of chaos you're imagining. But every single year we have unbelievable breakthroughs of the Holy Spirit in the Focus Kids area. Every single year. I could talk for hours on it about this, seeing these children perform healings and do incredible things. But my favorite story from last year Um, happened in the R-Space venue, which is the venue for children with additional needs. And we had a little boy who came to focus and the week before he'd been just put, put into a new foster care family. He had a really, really difficult upbringing and he'd never stepped into a church building before, but his new foster family brought him along to Focus and he walked into Focus Kids and he literally said to me on the gate, he was like, I have no interest in any of this holy moly business that you've got going on here. I just want to play football. And we're like, okay, that's great. As part of our space, we give each child a one-to-one buddy and that child, he just played football. And then on the second day, he walked into the venue and he saw a group of children praying for each other. And he asked his leader, he said, what, what, what are they doing? I don't get it. And she was like, well, they're praying. They're praying, they're asking God, and they're taking their request to God. And because God is so excited, he really wants to listen to you. He wants to hear what you have to say. And you know what? Even sometimes he might, might, he might help. He might answer your prayers. And you went, all right. Went to the corner of the room, wrote down all of his requests of all the things he'd like changed, took it to his leader and went, pray for it then. And then she prayed for him. And he suddenly was, there was just a little change in his face. And he went and sat in the corner and we weren't really sure we were going, we let him, let him have that. And then his foster family came and he ran over to them, beaming with joy and saying, I spoke to Jesus today. And he just radiated joy as he ran out of that um, focus kids. And then he came back the next day excited because he was like, well, now I speak to Jesus all the time. And then he was like, and then someone in my church family, they'd hurt their leg. And I said, have you asked Jesus to help you with that? And he prayed for that person and their leg was completely healed. All of the pain went away. And then he came back to focus kids. He was with his one-to-one buddy who'd been playing football with. And she had really bad hay fever all over her face. Her eyes were really squinty. And she was in quite a lot of pain that day actually she'd almost not come to help on team and he looked at her and he went well have you asked Jesus to take it away and she was like well no I haven't but can you pray for me and he just said he did prayed a simple prayer and her hay fever completely disappeared and I messaged her a few weeks ago and she said do you know what my hay fever has not come back since just from that simple childlike faith that simple thing of taking his request to God God heard and he answered And I just think that's incredible. And we are called to have a childlike faith, just like that little boy at Focus Kids. Having a childlike faith takes away the need for qualifications, the need for a theological understanding, a degree of being a a lifelong Christian. That little boy had never heard about Jesus or stepped into a church building before he came to Focus Kids. But he just went and spent time with his loving father. He had that simple faith that his father in heaven would listen to him. And look at what God did. And I just think that's a challenge for us sometimes because we often maybe think, oh, we'll put barriers in the way of thinking whether God would want to help us. 
So maybe asking you the question this morning, when was the last time that we asked God would do something and actually believed that he could do it? When was the last time that we trusted God to be in control of all of our problems? The parable that we're reading today sets out faith and action in three simple steps. Ask, seek, knock, because we have the extraordinary promise that the King of Kings is listening. But I'm going to throw a curveball in here this morning because I'm not actually here to talk to you about those three simple steps. Because I've, can I, if I can, I could be honest and vulnerable up with you now that you've met me for a whole five minutes. I would like to I if I was listening to this talk, especially a year ago, I would be sitting there and thinking, yeah, right. I've tried those three simple steps and they're just not working for me. I feel like I'm praying and God's not answering and things are getting harder and in a season of difficulty and uncertainty. I've been seeking, I've been knocking and that neighbor is not getting up and giving me any bread. And I wonder whether there are people in the room that feel like that. It's something that often goes unspoken about. We're once born into a childlike faith, brimming with belief, but over time, the world tends to knock us down. Our friends let us down, relationships unexpectedly fall apart, money issues, prayers seem to go unanswered. And then often in silence, we're looking around wondering if anyone else feels the same or wondering whether this God who we talk about and sing and praise to has even heard us at all. But what I want to say to you this morning, however you are feeling, there is an encouragement here in this parable. So I want to go back to the passage today because there's a part that I often miss. The first answer that the man got was, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I'm really imagining this person still lying in bed, like shouting out the window, not even bothered to get up at all. But Jesus goes on to reassure us and say, but because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. The person seeking the help didn't get the, answer, the first answer they initially thought, but that didn't stop their request being heard and getting an answer in the end. So the first key thing that I want to highlight from this passage is that delays are not denials. Delays are not denials. We live in a fast-paced world where we can get everything quickly. We have this need for instant gratification with Amazon Prime making a free day delivery seem ridiculous that we can't possibly face. And we, the instant experience isn't just handed to us, it's expected. A recent study found that 47% of users will leave a web page if it doesn't load in two seconds or less. I would say I'd have probably left the web page after about 1.5 seconds. I'm, my friends that know me, I'm quite fast paced. I love life on the go. I've got these two weeks off and I've packed everything into the very second. And I don't really like any delays. I went on a trip, I ran away from my problems, I'd say. I went to Bali last year, as you do. And Bali is a place that is very, very slow paced. Let me tell you, they love a delay. You go out for a meal. And then there was one time we were sitting in a restaurant and we'd, been, we'd ordered about an hour ago. And then all of a sudden we just saw the chef walk to go swim in the sea. He just stopped and decided he was gonna go enjoy the beautiful weather and go swim in the sea while I was sitting there hungry, like, what are you doing? So I would say delays are uncomfortable. <laughs> delays make us question whether we have made the right decision at all. But Jesus reminds us in this parable that delays are not denials. 
And you just need to look at some of the other stories in the Bible, which, which says that some of God's greatest triumphs come after people were in a season of delay. I don't know how well you know it, so I'm going to go through a few of the different stories. There was Sarah and Abraham. They waited 25 years for a son that was promised to them. Noah spent years building a boat, everyone calling him mad. Joseph was told in a dream he was going to do great things. Then his brother sold him to slavery. Moses took the people out of Egypt, all fired up to do incredible things. Then they had to walk around the desert for 40 years. David was given the anointing of a king as a young boy, but then had to live out years with the responsibility of a shepherd. Jonah was eaten by a fish, and Mary's life was delayed by a fairly significant nine months as she waited to give birth to the Son of God. And the thing that brings all of these people together is that they remained faithful to God in their season of waiting. And time and time again, God kept his promises to them. It may not have been what they expected, but God was faithful to them. So if he was faithful to them and if he was with them through their storm, why would he not be with you in yours? And to help us in these seasons of uncertainty, Jesus first reminds us that delays are not denials. And then secondly, that disappointments are not dead ends. Disappointments are not dead ends. Because sadly, God doesn't promise us that we'll live a life without disappointment. And I don't know what disappointments you faced, whether it's a broken relationship, a change in your job, family issues, money problems, people letting us down, or maybe just feeling like God isn't answering your prayers. These disappointments will naturally impact the way we see the world, but maybe this morning we can ask us, have they impacted the way that we see God? We live in a broken world where you don't have to look too hard to see suffering and mess, and, but God is our heavenly father. And in this passage today, Jesus goes on to say, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, for how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask of him? The Bible tells us that God created us, that he loves us, that he knows us infinitely more than we could ever know or comprehend. And we know as well, for good reason, sometimes parents do not give their children what they wanted. Though the children may not understand it. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's wait. And we may not know all the answers, but we can put our hope in a God who keeps his promises. Romans 8 says, and we know that God causes everything to work for the good of those who love him and according to um, his purpose for them. In the book of Joshua, he makes a promise to the Israelites, which is the same promises that he makes to me and you today. He says, I will not fail or abandon you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Not just on the good days, also on the difficult ones. And you know what? I know over the past year, I've looked at these promises and felt like they're not for me that it's been a battle to get up each day and to believe in them. But choosing to get up each day and say, you know what, no matter what I am facing, God, I'm going to choose to believe that you are with me in it was the best thing that I could have done. And all of these Bible heroes that I mentioned before were full of faith, trusting and believing in God's promises. But the best part is that we are in a better position than all of them. They had the confidence in something to come and we have the confidence in something that has already happened. 
that child that turned Mary's life upside down was the son of God who went to the cross to take all of our shame, all of our troubles and all of our fear so that we can live a life of freedom so that we can be children of God and have permission to knock on the door of the creator of the universe with a shameless audacity and ask to be with him. In the story, the man did not visit a stranger. He went to someone he already knew, someone he had a relationship with. He trusted that his friend was able to help him. For a bit of context to that story as well, in the Middle East at the time when Jesus told this story, hospitality was of the highest importance and you were expected to provide bread for any visitor. To be caught without bread would be something considered highly shameful and would be the only thing to get the man out of bed and out of his house at midnight. But this man did not consider his shame. Rather, it intensified the request as he went to go knock on that door. And I think it can be quite hard to think of this story and to think of that moment in the 21st century because we've become a more shame-based world. Every person in this room will carry shame around somehow, whether it's shame in something that we did last week, shame in telling a friend that we need help, shame in posting on Instagram that we're having a great time. But the promise with God is that we don't need to be ashamed of anything we take to him in prayer. So maybe a question we could ask ourselves is, is there anything you're holding back from God today? You may have never prayed before. You may be a prayer warrior. You may be listening to this and realize you haven't prayed in a while. But with Jesus, we can bring all of our prayers, requests, feelings and frustrations because we know that he lived it too. He lived those those seasons of delays and disappointments where he went to the wilderness for 40 days. He faced isolation on the cross and died alone so that we can be free of the sins and the shame. He went to the cross to make us children of God, not just to give us a friend at midnight, but to give us a relationship with a loving father, the father who created the whole universe. And looking at the cross, we can confidently know that God keeps his promises. He doesn't promise that it's going to be easy, but he does say that he will be with us, that he will be that friend that will get out of bed, that will be with us in those seasons. And that is what they're teaching over in Bay Kids right now. They're teaching these kids that there is a friend at midnight, that there is a friend who is with them throughout. And that's what I wanted to remind you of this morning. We, maybe we can see these seasons of waiting as an impediment, but what about if we saw it as a time of improvement, a time where we can see it as a place where we can grow spiritually, where our faith is strengthened, where we can experience a deeper intimacy with God? What would happen if Bay Church is a place where delay, delays are not denials, disappointments are not dead ends, but instead they're doorways into a deeper hope, a deeper faith, a deeper trust? that we're walking out of here knowing that we can stand confidently on the promises of God, that every child in Bay Kids stands confidently on the promises of God and knowing that God is someone that they can talk to all the time. We often, when chatting to kids, teach kids that they maybe they have to say, dear God, and end amen, and maybe say a certain structure in the end. But what we want to teach the kids is that actually God is your loving father who can't wait to hear from you. It doesn't matter whether you did something really great or really bad. God wants to speak to you. God wants to say he loves you, that he has a plan for you. And I just think that's something that we can all do here today. 
So whatever the season, I'm going to keep asking God to remind me of those promises. I'm going to keep seeking his light when the world feels dark and uncertain around me. And I'll surely keep knocking loudly on that door with a shameless audacity um, earned for me by the son of God on the cross. So will you join me? So we're going to pray. So if you'd like to stand.